0: I forgot to mention earlier, so I'll go ahead and mention it. Now, if you look at the offering table, um, the the communion table up here, you'll see some fine-looking cars. We had some cars that our boys um, ran in the RA Racers this past uh, Friday night, and um, James and Mitchell both got best-looking in their divisions. Um, that's the cars, not the boys, but yeah yeah he's mighty handsome because he looks like me so i'll just throw that out there but they both got best looking in their divisions and then brantley actually ran a car in the open division and got third place overall so um brantley's not here this morning he's at home but um but the guys are here so make sure you congratulate them and come take a look at their stuff as well I'd like to say I had something to do with that, but I had absolutely nothing to do with it. So, um, so, uh, And he's not here either, but Robert Klein had a lot to do with that as well, helping the boys work on their cars. So uh, be sure you tell him congratulations as well. Today we're going to listen to the Word of God as it's found in Luke chapter 6. So stand with me and turn to Luke chapter 6 in your Bibles. Luke 6, we are... In the second week, looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 36, this is God's Word. And if you let it, it will change your life. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, so do to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Father, we pray that we take these words to heart, that we not only hear them, but we understand them, and even more, that we apply. Help us to love our enemies. In Christ's name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Love is a primary ethic. Of God's kingdom and we should extend it to all people. We're talking this morning about what it means to live the kingdom life. Last week we saw Christ teaching his disciples amid massive crowds who were hungry for something more than just bread, looking for healing for something much deeper than physical ailments. We saw how the ethos of God's kingdom turns our ideas of blessing and woe on their heads how the things we often look at as problems turn out to be the ways that wise men put their trust in God and not in the temporal, physical things that never satisfy. Now we begin to see that kingdom life in practice. Christ begins by making a difficult statement. Look at verse 27. But I say to you who hear. Remember, this whole Sermon on the Mount is directed toward disciples. He's not talking to the world at large. He's specifically calling out his own followers to employ his kingdom love. You who hear refers to the ones who are following him, who are listening to his voice. Jesus talks about a little bit later in this chapter. These are the people who are like wise men who build their house on the rock. And when the rains come, the house stands firm. These are the ones who, like sheep, knowing the voice of their shepherd, know his voice and follow him. These are the ones who have ears to hear and are blessed by God. These are the ones who hear and understand the word. Like like good soil, when a farmer throws out the seed and the seed takes root and grows and produces fruitful abundance. These are the ones that Jesus says are the ones who hear and who understand, who apply the word to their lives. Frequently, it's even a command. He who has ears, let him hear. Not everyone who hears Jesus' words understand them. And not everyone who understands them applies them. He's not talking to them. He's not talking to the ones who aren't listening. But let me for just a moment. When you ignore the words of Christ, the very words of God, you're establishing your own judgment. God will judge sin, your sin, period. The question is whether he's going to judge your sin on the cross or on you. If you will not hear Jesus' words, You will not receive Jesus' works as your salvation. I would beg you, please turn to Christ today. Please trust Him. Please hear Him before it's too late. He who has ears, let him hear. But to those who do hear, Christ gives the command, love your enemies. Love your enemies. It's so simple and yet so profound, isn't it? The first ethic of the kingdom life is a love that extends to all, even to those who don't deserve it. Love your enemies. Before we look at what it means to love your enemies, what that looks like in real life, uh, I think we should define some terms. This word love, uh, you've probably heard of a related word. This is the verb form, but the noun form you've probably heard of. It's agape. Y'all familiar with that word? Agape is is unique. There are several words for love. This one's unique in that it talks about love from a deep appreciation that puts one in a high regard. In other words, it's not just a love that's because of a, a relationship. It's not a love based on an external factor or, or based on the way that you relate with someone. It's a love that comes from a deep appreciation within that springs up in a high regard. This isn't like, I love hot dogs, not that kind of love. This isn't prefer. This isn't even treat well. This kind of love genuinely and passionately seeks the benefit of the one loved. And we'll see that play out in just a moment. The word for enemy is also interesting. It applies to one with whom peace and communion are not possible. These enemies are such that you could never get along with them. The only thing that's possible is open warfare and hatred. All of us can think of someone who fits that bill. This person is the Newman to our Seinfeld. He's the Tetzel to our Luther. He's the chocolate cake to our brand new diet. This is the one with whom we could not get along with even if we Try, even if we had to, if our lives depended on it, there's no way we could get along with them. That is our enemy. And Jesus says, love your enemies. Put your arch nemesis in a place of high regard. That's the kingdom's love. So what does that, what does that look like? I mean, let's, let's get practical for a minute here. Okay. The idea of loving your enemy. That's all nice and good. But what does that look like in real life? Jesus gives us a couple of ways that we love our enemies, practical things, things that are boots on the ground, because there are times all of us have enemies and there are times that all of us face this choice of whether to love them or not. So what does it look like in real life? The first thing he tells us, do good to those who ignore you. He says that in verse 27. At the end, uh, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. The words, those who hate you are one word in Greek, and it indicates someone who is disregarding you. This is someone who doesn't even notice you. Someone who doesn't care about you at all. You've been there. You're, you're working. You're trying hard for someone and they couldn't give a rip about it. You've been there. Everybody been there? Yeah. Jesus says, do good. They slight you by not even bothering to notice you. Jesus says, loving your enemies means performing good for those who will not recognize your efforts. I had a pastor one time that as a teenager worked in a funeral home. And in the funeral home, one of his jobs was to wash the hearse. And he had to wash it every single day. Now you, you think... You think your job is monotonous. I, I'm, I'm sure washing a car every day is just boring as all get out. And his boss one time told him, son, no one's ever going to notice or thank you for doing that. No one's ever going to care until you don't do it. Think about it. How many of you have ever said, my, that hearse is mighty clean? Anybody? You ever seen a dirty one? You see, that's loving your enemies." That's loving those by doing good for, for them when they won't even notice, when they won't even care, when it's completely off of their radar. No, we love them anyway, even if we don't get recognition. Loving your enemies is also speaking well to those who speak curses to you. Verse 28, bless those who curse you the idea of curse here isn't to use dirty language against you. It's to evoke a supernatural power to bring judgment or punishment on someone. It's taking the voodoo doll and sticking it with pins, hoping that that person feels the pain. That's what it's doing. It's wanting some God or something, some force of the universe or something like that, calling on it to punish someone else. That's what cursing is. It's someone trying to cause you harm. And your job is to bless them. We have a word for this in English. It's the word eulogy. Think about it. If someone is trying to call down fire from heaven to consume you, Are you going to give them a good eulogy at their funeral? Probably not. And yet this is exactly the word Christ uses. He says, praise those, speak well of those who are trying to speak curses on you. The ones who are trying to call down punishment and judgment and wrath on you are the very ones you should be speaking well of. That's putting them in high regard. That's an agape love for your enemy that's completely unexplainable. I mean, how, how in the world, how do you, how can you bless someone when they're cursing you? Looking for the best, you treat them with the highest regard, even when they want you destroyed. You see, our human tendency is to want to give it even, isn't it? An eye for an eye, right? No. Love, never avenge yourselves, Romans 12, 9, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. When we speak well instead of seeking vengeance, we are doing a couple of things. We're trusting God to work out the rightful recompense. We're trusting God in His judgment, in His righteous judgment. And by the way, I want to let you know next week, we're going to come face to face with the fact that we are terrible judges. We do not need to judge. He needs to judge. And by speaking well of those who are cursing us, we are allowing God to have His rightful place as the rightful judge. So we're letting Him do His work the way He needs to. But we're also fixing our attitudes so that we can develop in us the love that we are supposed to have, even for those who seek our harm. It's one way we love our neighbor as ourselves We're choosing a better way to live and we're not letting hatred take root in our hearts. That's loving your enemies. Another way we love our enemies. Intercede for those who mistreat you. The end of verse 28, pray for those who abuse you. Now this is the one that's direct. This is the person who is outright mistreating you, doing you wrong. Now, you can, you can stay home during the day and you can watch commercial after commercial after commercial for lawyers that'll say, have you been wronged or injured? Call me. I'll get you the justice you deserve. I should be one of those lawyers. I've got, I've got, I, I don't know that I could do the, the fast speech right at the end. No quality of representation is made, you know, all that. I can't do that very well. I get tongue tied other than the commercials for fib, liar, and fraud, attorneys at law, you see the same attitude everywhere. If someone does you wrong, do them the same way. Give them a dose of their own medicine. I just said it a minute ago, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus says, pray for them. Now, this isn't the Look down at them through your nostrils kind of praying. The kind of praying that the Pharisee did in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican where, where the publican is down here on his knees beating his chest. God, help me a sinner. But the, but the Pharisee's over here praying with his hands up like, thank you that I'm not like him because he's terrible. That's not the kind of praying we're talking about. It's not the praying of, oh, oh, we, we really need to pray for this person. Did you hear? And then, and then it starts the gossip thing, you know, where you, you call it a prayer request so it sounds better, but it's really just gossip. That's not the kind of praying we're talking about. It's earnest, heartfelt prayer. It's prayer for Christ to open their hearts so they will come to know Him. It's prayer that they will be blessed by God beyond measure. It's prayer for their sick wife to get better, for their children to get into that prestigious school with a great scholarship. It's prayer that they'll be safe on the cruise that they're going on next week, that you're jealous that you didn't get to go on the cruise with them. It's that kind of prayer. It's the kind of prayer that seeks their benefit and not their harm. The kind of prayer that lifts them up to God and says, God, bless this person. Even though they're wronging me, even though they're downing me, even though they're trying to hurt me, God bless this person. Show your goodness and favor to them. It's that kind of prayer. It's the fervent prayer that needs to define who we are. That's loving your enemies. When you're praying for someone's well-being, God's actively molding you to be the light into their darkness. You cannot fervently pray for someone and still hate them. That's the point. You see, what God is trying to do in doing these things, what Jesus is really trying to get at is the fact that you need the heart transformation. It doesn't matter what they're doing to you. It doesn't matter how they're abusing you. It doesn't matter how they're cursing you. It doesn't matter what they're doing to you or even if they're completely ignoring you. None of that matters. What matters is how you respond. And I want you to respond with an ethic of love. And boy, that looks very different than what we see. Find me someone who can love those who hate him. And I will show you a disciple of Christ because there's no other way to do it otherwise. After all, God loves them. And if I'm to be more like him, I've got to learn to love them too. Another way we love our enemies is we give to those who take from us. These two verses give us some interesting pictures To the one who strikes you on the cheek, turn the other cheek also, right? The one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. James, will you come up here for a second? I want to... I think it would help if I show you this. Don't worry, I'm not going to actually snipe you. Okay, all right? You you need to know two things about this. Uh, First, when people... Strike, they they would never hit with their left hand, okay? You never hit someone with your left hand. You'd always go with the right hand because that's the stronger hand and that's just the way you do it in society, okay? So you, you would only use the right hand. The second thing is if the person is a slave, you don't hit them with the forehand. You hit them with the backhand. It's a way of saying you're not even worthy of getting slapped with the front of my hand. So I'm just going to hit you with the back, Okay. When Jesus is saying to turn the other cheek, he's saying that when you go to slap someone, James, and you turn the other cheek, you are offering them the cheek to get a backhanded slap. You are telling them, you are treating me like you would a slave. It's a way, thank you, James, good job. It's a way of not only just demeaning someone, It's a way of demeaning them in such a, it's a way of, of correcting someone by reminding them, you are mistreating me. The way you're treating me is wrong. And you shouldn't be doing this to me. It's that, it's a way of calling them out without calling them out. It's a gentle reminder that, hey, this isn't right. By turning the other cheek, you're not seeking revenge. You're seeking reconciliation. The same is true with the, the cloak and the tunic. The cloak is the outer garment. The tunic is the inner garment. Someone takes your jacket, offer them your shirt. Now, it's basically like saying, you're stealing from me. Would you take all my clothes? Would you steal everything? Would you leave me with absolutely nothing? Again, it's a way of bringing reconciliation. You're not seeking to get back at them. You're not seeking to make them look bad. You're seeking to show them how bad they are. But to do so gently and lovingly, when we're willing to give more than others wish to take, we're showing that we don't hate them. We're showing a willingness to demonstrate love and truth. Love that makes sure another has vision. Truth shows them that it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to mistreat me to get what you need. That extends when others are begging. Loving your enemies means giving freely. Love gives because the cost of the gift is worth less than the one to whom it's being given. When we love generously, we are giving no matter what we cost, no matter what the cost is to us. It doesn't matter. Just ask any grandmother shopping for a grandchild. Amen. Amen. And then Jesus, sometimes I'm convinced Jesus is British because he has a, a penchant for understatement. He makes this, he slides in this one verse, Verse 31. And it's only like the thing you learned from your childhood. It's only the golden rule. But he just slides it in there. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Just treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's the kingdom love. Now I can't help but wonder, how do we actually pull this off? I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's really hard for you to love. I can I can do a great job of loving people who are lovable. Jesus says that's not enough. Look in verses thirty two through 34. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Look, you can find the the most wicked person you can find. And they're still going to love people that love them. Verse 33. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Anybody can do good for someone who's being nice to you. Oh, it's easy to take care of the customer who's nice and friendly, who's joyful and willing to wait, that's easy. Anybody can do that. Verse 34, and if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? It's a play on words. The idea is, how does it benefit you when you're treating people well that are treating you well? Mitchell, sit right. Thank you. How does it benefit you when you only treat those well that are easy to treat well? Even sinners can do that. So how do we actually pull this off? How do I love those who don't deserve it? Jesus gives us the answer. Love your enemies by following God's example. Verses 35 and 36. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil, Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Jesus, Jesus puts a little bit different spin on it in Matthew's recording. Matthew 5.45 So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for He makes His Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. God doesn't withhold good things from bad people. Okay, I'm going to say this again, but before I do, you're bad people. Like, I'm bad people. We're all bad people, okay? God doesn't withhold good things from bad people. Amen. Thank you. We don't deserve the good things that He gives us. We are the bad people. We are the unjust. We are the evil. We are the cruel. That's who we are in our humanity. And God doesn't withhold His good gifts because we are bad. No. God's love extends to those who don't deserve it. Romans 5, eight, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were His enemies, Christ died for us. Then look at verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, so much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. Oh, you want to talk about God giving good gifts. God gives us the best gifts when we can't possibly deserve it. And if he's willing to do that while we're his enemies, imagine what he does for us when we're his sons and his daughters. Even even bad people can give good gifts to their children. How much more the good father? Let me tell you, God's love, God's love changes us. It makes us capable of loving First John 4. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And then in verse 19, it can't get any clearer than this. We love because he first loved us. Father, I pray that Your love will overtake us so much that we can't help but love our enemies. Father, I pray that Your love would be so powerful, so strong, so mighty that we would be overcome in the flood of Your love such that we would love others with a sincere and pure heart. Even those who don't deserve it because we didn't deserve it and You loved us. Father, You're calling us to extend your kingdom ethic of love to all, especially to those who don't deserve it. Help us follow your example. Help us love our enemies. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, God showed his love for us by sending his son to die on the cross and he didn't do it because he was going to get some kind of benefit out of it. He didn't do it because he He just really was incomplete without us and he just couldn't. He, he couldn't be God unless we were on His side. No, He he did it because He loved us. In spite of us. So this morning, if, if you don't know that love, I'm, I'm going to be here at the front. I'd love, love to help you come to know Him. If you do, maybe you're thinking of that enemy in your head and you're thinking, I haven't really been loving them. Would you come lay it on the altar before God? Would you ask God to help you love your enemy. If you want to talk with someone, pray with someone, I'll be here. You come when we sing this invitation hymn.